Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. Jerry Miller, The I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville on a show presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Dr. Wagner and his team at Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine have your back. They're changing people's lives through an integrated medicine strategy that is undoubtedly innovative and effective. Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. We'll talk basketball. UVA Furman tomorrow, 1240 tip. True TV, Wahoos or a six-point favorite. What should UVA do to win this game? Six points, the spread. Vegas is predicting a close one. Furman likes to get up and down the floor. We'll talk this topic on today's show. We'll talk the heat map released by the Charlottesville Police Department. We'll let you know where the crime is happening as suggested by the data. Numbers and data are not a bad way to go about policing in 2023. We'll explain where the crime is happening and how this crime could potentially be resolved in a town we love called Charlottesville, Virginia. I want to relay what Sean Reeves said yesterday. I have a lot of respect for Sean Reeves. In fact, why don't the folks that watch the program that have ties to police, in particular the Almaro County Police Department, send Chief Sean Reeves a text message and let him know we are highlighting some of the things he said yesterday at an Almaro Police Citizens Advisory Committee meeting. Sean Reeves, the police chief at Almaro, on the record, he said for the first time in more than five years, he is seeing a collaboration between police departments in Charlottesville, Almaro, and the University of Virginia. The three departments are communicating and working alongside each other. He said this has not happened for five years. That resonated with me, that statement, considerably. He said it's not just the chiefs getting together at the regional command staff meeting, but commanders are joining as well as they try to resolve gun gang and drug violence in this community. Remember, much of the violence that's gun-related in Charlottesville is impacting Almaro County and vice versa. It's an invisible line that separates these two jurisdictions, and crime does not know this invisible line and where it is located. I want to ask you this question, viewer and listener. Are we still... Michael Kotchis has alluded to this as well, Judah. Michael Kotchis alluded, the police chief of Charlottesville, that for years, Charlottesville Police Department has not engaged the community through walk and talks, through police events that show the badge and the uniform in a humanized setting as opposed to a police setting. Kotchis has said, we have not engaged this community in a number of years. Yesterday, Sean Reeves said this is the first time in five years the departments are working together. Are we still navigating the collateral damage that was Dr. Rashal Brackney and how she went about policing in Charlottesville? Did Brackney alienate, polarize, and distance the Charlottesville Police Department from not only the community but other departments as well, specifically Almaro and the University of Virginia. Remember, there was undoubtedly beef between Brackney and friend of the program, Michael Wells, who is, um, frankly speaking, behind the scenes, a very influential man when it comes to policing in Central Virginia. And frankly speaking, Michael Wells, when it's all said and done, he wants what's best for this community from a safety standpoint. That's how he goes about 
his professional life. So I'm going to ask this question. Did Brackney do so much damage locally that she not only polarized the department from a community standpoint, but also alienated the department from working with other coinciding departments like Almoro and UVA, that topic on today's show. We'll also chitter-chatter on the program. Um, Roanoke, the city of Roanoke, is this close, and if you're just listening to this program, it's very close, of, of enforcing a teenage curfew that's on the books. A teenage curfew where if you're 16 and under, you have to be in your house at 11 o'clock, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you have to be in your house at midnight on Friday and Saturday. Good Lord, 16 and under? You would think they're already in their house on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Those are school nights, Judah, by 11 o'clock. 16 years? For a midnight curfew on Friday and Saturday, I think a midnight curfew is more than justifiable for a 16-year-old and younger, a midnight curfew on Friday and Saturday. Roanoke's got a gun problem, and Roanoke's gun problem is very similar to Charlottesville's. A lot of teenagers popping off and utilizing steel to resolve arguments. So one of the ways Roanoke's trying to resolve this situation is a teenage curfew, which is already a letter of the law and enforcing it as opposed to making it an afterthought. That topic on today's show, I want to remind the viewers and listeners that Bellamy Brown is going to be on Friday's program, front of the show. Bellamy Brown is is a delegate uh, candidate. He, along with Katrina Coulson, Dave Norris, and Deshaun Cooper, are on a a ballot in a a race that will be uh, determined in a primary Democratic in June. I'll ask Bellamy Brown... You know, what separates himself from some stiff competition? And then we'll talk Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, back-to-back days. Yesterday's show, we talked Facebook and Meta laying off 23,000 people Mm. in five months. Not only did Facebook and Meta lay off 23,000 people in the last five months, a sizable portion of their workforce, about 25% plus of their workforce, they've laid off in the last five months. But they also took 5,000 job openings and vaporized them. Those 5,000 job openings don't exist anymore. Today, Zuckerberg's in the news for saying employees that come to work and are in person at our office they're way more productive than employees that stay home and work remotely. Zuckerberg straight up said that. The work from home mentality and movement and momentum is being silenced and diminished. We'll talk about that on today's show. Judah very much disagrees with me. I got a tweet from uh, Dylan's Rule that I'm going to get to. Dylan's Rule, I love when you watch the program. He says, Jerry, if you do a Google search, go look for a Nolan Stout story in early 2020 about UVA football players and the Charlottesville Police Department and University Police Department at the time. Might be illuminating illuminating about the interagency interaction. He says, take a look at the timeline. Al Thomas left in December 2017. Brackney arrived in June or July of 2018. Reeves cited a five-year timeline. All right, why don't we start with that? Why don't we start with that, and then we'll go into where crime is happening. I promise I'll talk UVA. Two-shot Judah Wickhauer. I'm going to ask this question, and you have the heat map that we're going to put on screen. We can mm-hmm. put that on Wait for me to put on screen. I need to set the stage. we got to... The police has been a hot topic on today's show. Yesterday, the Almoral Police Chief, Sean Reeves, Chief Reeves, 
I love how you go about leading your department. You have a vacancy rate that's single digits. Was it 6% we, we, we researched and figured out the other day? Almore County Police Department has a vacancy rate of 6%. Charlottesville yeah. Cities is over 30%. Chief Reeves, you should be applauded for that. Chief Reeves should be applauded for running a department and doing it in a quiet, humble, behind-the-scenes way, often with leadership, especially governmental leadership like police chief, city council, city manager. You don't need to be in the news and the limelight all the damn day. Being in the background, humble, quiet, productive, and getting things done, that's called leadership. Reeves is embodying that quality right now. He spoke yesterday at an Almorrow County Police Citizens Advisory Committee meeting. This is an on-the-record government meeting, and Chief Reeves in this meeting straight up said for the first time in more than five years, you're seeing collaboration between Charlottesville City, Albemarle County, and UVA, and their respective police departments. Dylan's rule is straight up saying, look at the timeline. Al Thomas left in December 2017. Brackney arrived in June or July of 2018. Reeves cites a five-year timeline. Is this the collateral damage of Dr. Rashal Brackney that we're still facing and feeling today? Brackney still suing the city of Charlottesville. Is she still suing? Is it an active case? Is the case in purgatory? Brackney, what are you doing? Where's the case at? For 10 million bucks claiming wrongful termination because she was a black female. Is that case still alive? Is the Johnny Cochran lawyer from the Cochran law firm still fighting for a $10 million on your behalf, Brackney? Can you send a tweet out and let us know what's going on? Are we still dealing with Brackney's collateral damage today, Judah Wickhauer? I think so. I mean, uh, we all know that there's we know that we all know that there, there's more than one cause for uh, you know the uh, the problems that we've seen in the Charlottesville Police Department. But I think uh, I think it's fair to say that a lot of that can be laid at uh, at Dr. Brackney's feet. I mean, she sues the city, wrongful termination. Yeah. During her time, a third of the department becomes empty and vacant. She goes after community stakeholders, including people tied to churches, church deacons. Mm -hmm. She goes after police civilian review board members, including the one that's going to be our guest on Friday. Yeah. She has a brouhaha with friend of the program, Michael Wells. She does not seem to be There does not seem to be closure with Brackney and her former employer, Charlottesville. It's almost like a, a jilted ex-lover, unable yeah. to forget about his or her time with their ex and constantly having to bring it up all the time. We all know someone who's done that. I feel like she wanted to, uh, I feel like she wanted to make a name for herself. And rather than just do a, a good, competent job, she was trying to, like, you know, I don't know, create some type of legacy, but I think it backfired on her. Ah, I think, I think that's what's happened. What do you make of Chief Reeves of Albemarle saying for the first time in more than five years, we have collaboration between UVA, Charlottesville, and Albemarle and their respective police departments? 
I was flabbergasted by that. This yeah. is on the record him saying it. Police departments that literally are policing basically the same territories. I mean, hell, the shooting that re- resulted in the killing of a 20-year-old on Cherry Avenue at the Sunshine Convenience Store, the two guys that did that walked into the convenience store, yeah. one of the two guys went on the lam to an apartment in Albemarle County, and that's where they caught him. And Albemarle County Police recently, uh, recently caught another guy who I think it was just for brandishing a firearm. Uh, who they remanded to... Uh, to, to CPD. Yeah. So I, it's great that they're working together. And I, you know, I applaud them. And it's a shame that, uh, that it's been five years. How much, how much could we have uh, prevented that we've been seeing in the news lately if, uh, if, that, uh, um, if that interdepartmental uh, cooperation had been in place, you know, all this time? All this time. All viewers and listeners, are you as flabbergasted as I am that the chief of Albemarle is saying for the first time in five years the departments are collaborating? That statement says a thousand other words. Yeah. Why? This is what we should all be asking. Why for over five years have these departments not been collaborating? Yeah. The next question we should be asking. I mean, you would think that these people would see each other on a... That's almost, what I'm saying. Almost daily basis. That's what I'm saying. They're leaders of the communities. That's, Kevin Yancey says, why did Tito Durrett not move the department forward then, Jerry? I think that's an unfair question for, for uh, Assistant Police Chief Tito Durrett. Remember, Tito Durrett was the interim police chief before Cotchis was hired. Yeah. It's very difficult for someone with an interim label to make substantial change. Tito Durrett's role as an interim police chief was to keep the department afloat. Yeah. It was not to make substantial change. Right. He was the band-aid stopgap between Brackney and Conscious. It wasn't up to him to make that substantial change. This is a result, this lack of communication, I think is a correlation directly to Brackney. You think that she uh, kind of scared everyone off of... Uh, who would it... Who, it's the same thing that happened with Nakia Walker. It was, a, it was a fire constantly. And people got tired of being burned or were afraid of the perception that they would get burned. Yeah. So they just distanced themselves from these folks. Right. That's what happened. That's what happened. I mean, Brackney had beef with front of the program Michael Wells. Right of the Police Benevolent Association. This guy is a, a influencing type of man in Al Marl's police department and Charlottesville's and Central Virginia's. Yeah. Put the heat map up. Here's the heat map released yesterday by the Charlottesville Police Department. You got that map? Yep. Dylan's rule, great comments. Anonymous, deep throat. We'll get to your comment here in a matter of moments. What does this heat map tell you? First off, the heat map straight up says the crime is happening in basically two, the aggregated crime. There are some exceptions to where the crime is happening. Outlier, outlier data. But for the most part, the crime is happening the Cherry Avenue quarter and 10th and Page. That's where it's happening. You got a couple of heat 
spots on Cherry Avenue, and you've got Tenth and Page. That's where the crime is happening. Interestingly, historically, this is where the crime has generally always happened. Yeah. Deep Throat says this in a DM on Twitter. Jerry and Judah on where the crime is happening superimposed... Wow, this is... Get ready for this, Judah. You should listen to this. Viewers and listeners, you should listen to this comment from Deep Throat. Are you listening, Judah? Yeah. You, this is going to get you thinking. This is from Deep Throat. Jerry and Judah on where the crime is happening. You guys should superimpose public and subsidized housing on the heat map, on the crime map you just showed. There's a near-perfect coincidence. Hardy Drive, South First, Sunrise Park Lane, the CRHA-owned houses on Riverside and Woolen Mills, Friendship Cart, Hartwood, Uncanny, even if it's politically incorrect to notice, maybe some of this needs to be laid at the feet of CRHA and not just police. So he's doing a direct correlation between subsidized and public housing and where the crime is happening in this community. CRHA is the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. You want to touch that topic, Judah Wickhauer? Not with a 10-foot pole. Uh, but seriously, uh, I, I mean, what can you say to that that uh, won't get you in trouble? Um, it is very interesting. Um, and I don't know that it's all that surprising. I mean, nobody's expecting to, to see gun violence popping up in, uh, in Keswick or, you know. Greenbrier. Two counselors live in the Greenbrier neighborhood. Yeah. That's um, in the city. I mean, I don't hear, I don't hear gunshots in, uh, in my neighborhood. Um, thankfully. Um, does some of the accountability fall at the feet, as Deep Throat has said, of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority? I'm is sure, that fair? I'm not sure that is fair. Why would, uh, why would the blame for any of this fall at their feet? Maybe the vetting is not at the standards it should be for vetting. folks that are in the Charlottesville Redevelopment Housing Authority housing? Is that fair? I don't know. If the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority is a resident-centered organization committed to excellence in providing affordable quality housing, revitalizing communities, and supporting resident involvement and promoting upward mobility and self-sufficiency through partnerships in the public and private sectors. You don't think it's fair? That's, I respect you. You don't think it's fair? How would it be their fault? Uh, you, you mentioned vetting, but those people have to live somewhere. Right? Yes, everyone deserves housing. So, even if they don't deserve housing, they've still got to live somewhere. So, even if uh, a, uh, CHRA, is that what it is? Yeah, CRHA is even, the acronym. Even if they, uh, even if they don't give those certain people places in their, in their housing, those people are still going to end up somewhere. Well, I, I meant vetting of candidates for the housing offered. 
Deep Throat follows, they need to screen better and evict problem tenants quicker. Fair or not fair? Jude and I are going to disagree on this one here. Well, we can disagree. Totally cool. How is evicting the people going going to prevent violence? Deep Throat just responded to you. To protect the tenants who are not committing crime, Judah. That's... I, I, I'll, I'll be I the can, messenger I, here. I You're get, communicating with Deep Throat. He's communicating with me. I'm the middleman. Go. I, I, can, I can get behind that. That's a, that's a good point. Um, but those people are still going to end up somewhere. And you may be protecting people in, the, in those particular spots. But uh, I don't see how that's going to affect the, the crime rate. It might just move it around the city. Deep throat. You want to respond to Judah Wickhauer right there. Jojo Robinson says, I think that Brackney's relationship with the mayor allowed Brackney to be divisive within the police department. Just my opinion. I agree with that opinion. She formed an alliance with former Mayor Nakia Walker, and that offered former Chief Brackney a, a, a latitude of plank. Walking the plank, Brackney's plank was way longer than it should have been. And she had that leash and latitude because of the strategic alliance formed with Nakia Walker. I think that's 100% true. And it could have also given them a particular, uh, a particular outlook that uh, I don't know, shuttered them from uh, you know, what, exactly what we were talking about with uh, uh, there being no uh, cooperation between the departments. Um, Deep Throat says... Deep throat. He says, well, then move it out of the city. Get the folks committing the crime out of here. Probably better for them to be split up as well, as opposed to aggregated in the same area. That right there is an interesting topic. If you superimpose public and subsidized housing on the heat map provided by the Charlottesville Police Department, you will see the crime coincides very closely with public and subsidized housing. Deep throat. Do you have a, a, a um, PDF or a JPEG that you can send us? Just an easy, clean one that shows the heat map from Conscious and the Charlottesville Police Department with the superimposed public housing and subsidized housing that you mentioned. Something that is very easily, easily uh, digestible that we can put on screen and then publish after the show that shows this trend you're talking the problem is, if you mention this trend, you get lambasted politically and socially that a lot of folks outside, maybe Judah and yours truly, would not even mention this on air or mention this in a public setting. Olivia Branch watching the program. She says, uh, she's the queen of Keswick. The collaboration of our policing services is, is a sign of effective leadership in these three sectors. Olivia, I 1,000% agree with you. Olivia Branch, I love when you watch the show. I love when you watch the show. And I'm going to be at Marigold later this month, and I hope to bump into you. Thank you for watching today and commenting. I love when you watch the show Queen of Keswick. Deep throat. Judah does not know who you are as a person, but he does get a glimpse on our direct messages on Twitter. He says if you go to the direct message of me and Deep Throat on Twitter, he's included a link. This link is tough, though, Deep Throat. Deep Throat. I just found a map on housing authority properties. 
Deep, Deep Throat is a data guy. We got to work on the, the, the visual presentations, my friend, the visual presentations. Um, if you can find the map that he sent us and put it on screen, maybe that would be um, um, offer value to the viewers and listeners. Matt Daring watching the program, the king of cycling. Matt, your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts, Matt and Kevin Yancey and, and everybody else watching this program? When a chief of Albemarle County's police department says for the first time in five years, Albemarle County Police Department is working together in collaboration with UVA and the city of Charlottesville. Are you, does your jaw not drop that someone says that on the record at a government meeting? Is anyone else flabbergasted by that? And if you are flabbergasted, isn't the next logical question, how have we gotten to this point? And how much does that fall on Brackney? Seriously. Thoughts, viewers and listeners? I would love to hear them. John Blair, welcome to the show. Thank you kindly for joining us. I got comments coming in on LinkedIn. I got to be more mindful of the LinkedIn um, platform. I don't often check the comments there. I need to. John Blair says this. Jerry, really interesting comments about WFH. I think you are correct. The employers are regaining the upper hand in these relationships. I have a friend who works in Google's general counsel office, and while there isn't a former edict, it's pretty clear to everyone who works there that you should be in the office a few days a week. Yeah, I, I, I think the work-from-home movement is very much losing steam. Very much losing steam. And that's for a number of reasons. I'll unpack that later in the show. One of them is that uh, when you pay a lot of money for... Uh, yeah, that's definitely one. For... Office space. Office space. You better use it. You look like an idiot if you send everybody home afterwards. Yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of these Fortune 100, Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies have got decade-long leases and are spending millions, tens of millions of dollars on rent. And to justify the expense, they're insisting that people come back to work so they don't look like fools. I also think that there's still something to be said about having human face-to-face connection, Judah. Zuckerberg has told people, this is the same guy who's laid off 23,000 people in the last five months, Facebook and Meta. He today is in the news cycle saying the people that are coming into work are producing at a greater clip than the people staying at home. If you're working at home for Facebook and Meta, the writing is on the wall. He wants you in the office, and he's going to can you if you're not. The writing is on the wall. Three days out of the week. What? Zuckerberg? Yeah. As opposed to zero. Yeah. He wants them at least three in. If I was Facebook and Meta, dude, I sincerely mean this. If I was working at Facebook and Meta right now, and I was able to save my job and was not laid off like one of the 23,000 people or roughly a third of the company were in the last five months. I would be showing up to work five days a week. I would be showing up to work early. I'd be leaving late. I'd make sure my bosses saw that I was there early and I was working late and I would gain vertical potential from that sweat equity. Until they fired you. I, I, I think the person that's coming into work five days a week and staying early, coming early and staying late is less likely to get canned than the one working from home. The one working from home doesn't have a relationship in place with the boss. He just becomes, or she just becomes a name on payroll and not 
Judah, who's got a dog, Liza, and likes movies, and likes to go to brunch late, and has stuff in his life that we know about, human connection. You got the map up? Um, Is it to download from the website? Uh, well, I've got, uh, first of all, I'm going to put the heat map up, and then I've got a, uh, a map that I did the best I could to, uh, okay. So is this the police, this is the Charlottesville police heat map. That's the heat map that we showed before. And that's on screen. Now this is from the police department. These red spots are 10th and page and essentially the cherry Avenue quarter. And this is the C, let's see what the hell's it called. Uh, the C H R A. This is the Charlottesville. Uh, hold on. I've, I can, uh, this is the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority map, is what you're showing on screen? Yeah, this is the Housing Authority properties. Okay, so you're putting and, that on screen now. Is that on screen? That is now on screen. Okay, so this is the, the properties I'm, they manage. And now I'm going to try to get a copy of the one that... Uh, okay, so this is... Oh, dude, this is excellent from Judah. Doing this on the fly? Deep Throat, we got to give Judah some props on this, right? So the first map he showed was the heat map from Cotchus. Now he's showing a map on screen from the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. The heat map coincides perfectly with a lot of the Charlottesville Housing and Redevelopment Housing Authority um, housing stock that they manage. What are you putting on screen now? Uh, now I'm trying to get the map that he sent. Oh, he says, well done, Judah. Look, you got a well done Judah from Deep Throw. Thank you. All right, I've got a screenshot of his map. Uh, so now you're putting up Deep Throat's map. Yeah. That was enterprising, dude. On the fly, homie. Let's see. Legit. Matt Daring says, my thoughts are displayed in the visual I provided above in the comment section of your Facebook page, Jerry. I believe the lack of working together by the department is a fallout of the Unite the Right rally domestic terrorism event that happened here. The Seville leadership suffered more greatly than did UVA or Almoral County. One, part, one party of that tri-party group got hammered more than the rest. That's fair, Matt Daring. The Unite the Right rally, was it you that was telling me that Dil the creator of Dilbert yeah. says the Unite the Right rally was a hoax? Yeah, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. He, that was out see. today, right? Uh, let's see. It's from uh, yesterday in uh, some, something called, the, called Pointer, uh, but the... Uh, the title is, The Unite the Right Rally Was Real, Not a Staged Intel Op, as Dilbert creator Scott Adams claims. I, viewers and listeners that watch this fine and fair talk show know that I was at the Unite the Right Rally on August 12, 2017, one of the few times I've lied to my loving and wonderful wife. I told her on Saturday, the morning of August 12th, it was a Saturday that I was going to go to ACAC downtown to work out. It was a bold-faced lie, a stone-cold, bold-faced lie. I didn't go to the ACAC parking lot at all. Instead, I went to I Love Seville on Market Street. And I watched sin and terror and nastiness and 
behavior that I'd never seen in my life, literally in front of our studio. And about two hours later, my wife said, I know you're not at ACAC. I've tried tracking you down there. I know you're at this fiasco. Get home right now. And then we went to the bowling alley. I was literally right there for two plus hours watching this. And if the creator of Dilbert says, Unite the Right Rally was fake and it was a hoax and it was theater, I say, BS, dude. You have no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. And I don't want to speak for you, but I would imagine you echo those thoughts as well. Yeah, I have some problems with the, with the whole narrative, but uh, I have no doubt that it was real. Dylan's rule on Twitter says, it's also worth pointing out that Brackney was criticizing the Charlottesville Police Department and the city on Twitter and threw a lawsuit while Durrett was the interim chief. It's difficult, it's extremely difficult to be effective in an interim role, Judah, during that situation. Say that again? Uh, Dylan's rule says that when Durrett was the interim chief... Brackney, his former boss, was criticizing the police department and the city of Charlottesville on Twitter while her lawsuit was active. And he says, Judah, it's extremely difficult for Tito Durrett to be effective in an interim role when all that stuff is happening. I agree with that. Yeah, no doubt. He had his hands, his hands cuffed, pun intended. Tito Durrett. Yeah, I mean, he had I a- saw Tito at that police forum. He's a great guy. Yeah, he had a smaller force. He had, uh, I mean, he had. He was basically doing cleanup duty and uh, and trying to prop the the department up and keep it running. And uh, yeah, it's and he was also not the uh, not the elected official. Albert Graves is wondering if you can overlay the heat map over the housing units that the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority manages or owns. Can you do that? Doing that on the fly might be difficult, but I'm sure we can do that post-show for tomorrow. Overlay them? I mean, the problem is... You're, the, you're the, the graphic design wizard here. You don't have to give us an answer right now. If we can overlay them somehow, Michael Kotchis's heat map, with the map you just showed from the C, Charles CRHA... That and would be valuable. That would be a valuable visual for the viewers and listeners. And here's the one from uh, from Anonymous. Which one? Here's the one from the map. The map that uh, Anonymous. This is from Deep Throat's map. Yeah. Deep Throat did this. Now Deep Throat is a data finance guy, not a branding graphic design guy. So walk me through what you're saying here. This is the map from Deep Throat. Are the map from Deep Throat is the purple Deep Throat is the purple the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority stock? That's got to be that, right? The, uh, I mean the the title of this map is CrimeMap.html. Uh, did he put this together, or is this? Oh, he put this together. Deep Throat did. Okay. Deep Throat put this together. This is the. Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority, the housing stock that they own or manage, superimposed on the heat map that Albemarle County Police provided. He says... If he could provide... He says red is crime, blue is uh, the housing stock from Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Go ahead, Judah. Uh, Yeah, I was just going to ask if there was a... 
if there was a key to the uh, the colors. He also said the blue is the uh, low income housing tax credit house, uh, stock. The problem is, what are we supposed to do with this? I guess this is one thing that we can do with this. This is data. This is why I like the show. This is why I like the show. We're crowdsourcing. We're crowdsourcing thoughts from a lot of different people at one time right now. Me and Judah, this guy Deep Throat, who I personally have met a handful of times. I'm not going to reveal who he is, but he's legit. He's well-read, he's informed, and he makes decisions backed on data. He's a data guy. We're crowdsourcing Dylan's Rule and a couple of other people on Facebook and LinkedIn right now. Is it fair to correlate the crime with public, public housing and subsidized housing. I mean, that's my problem with... Uh, with the and then I- the next step is, should the police district, instead of being 10th and Page and Cherry Avenue, Fifeville, neighborhoods in totality, should it just be policing districts around these even more micro pockets? And I apologize for interrupting. Hmm. I mean, overall, I think my my problem is, again, what I said before, like, those people are going to go somewhere. Uh, I, he makes a good point that uh, you, you could better protect the people that, that are living there that aren't engaging in this kind of, uh, in this kind of behavior. Uh, but I don't think you're going to, I don't think that's going to drive out crime from Charlottesville by itself. And we all know that it's got to be a, a multi-pronged uh, Boy, project. It's silver buckshot, pun intended. Not silver bullet. Terrible pun. Horrible pun. A pun lacking empathy and compassion. Still a pun that was strategic and intended. It's a silver buckshot. Yeah. Policing districts is a silver buckshot. Collaboration between Almaro, UVA, and Charlottesville City is a silver buckshot. Getting the department fully staffed is a silver buckshot. Mm-hmm. Walk and talks are, are, are a silver buckshot. The forum at the historically black church next to Dairy Market that's now a wedding event venue is a silver buckshot. What Roanoke City is trying to do with say, curfews for teenagers. The curfew may be a part of the buckshot. You I- want to offer curfew perspective on this? Cur- Roanoke City already has a curfew in place that they're not enforcing. This is already a law, but it's not being enforced. Now city council is deliberating. They literally had a public comment yesterday that teenagers, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 16-year-olds and under, have to be in their home by 11 p.m. at night. On Friday and Saturday, they get till midnight. If they're on the streets or outside their home after 11 o'clock, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they can get popped by Johnny Law. And if they're on the streets or out of their house after midnight, 16-year-old and younger, on Friday and Saturday, they get to get popped by Johnny Law. Roanoke is doing this because they have gun violence. It's not unique to Charlottesville. And it's many teens that are popping off, pun intended. I'm full of them today. And that's how they're trying to control the killings and the gun, drug, and gang violence. Is that part of the silver buckshot strategy? Let's do it in Charlottesville for a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'm leery as to the effectiveness of it, but uh, why not give it a try? Um, I mean, I don't know that we've had—I don't know that we've had a whole lot of information on 
gun violence happening at, you know, those hours? I mean, we've had gun violence happen then, those hours. Remember we were talking about the Almoral County Middle School student that got shot next to Champion Brewing Company like uh, 30 days ago? Remember that? Was it that late? Yeah. It was like, it was a school night at like Monday or Tuesday night on a school night. And it was, I, I think it was in like the 10 o'clock hour. So it was flirting with that time. It was flirting with that time. Yeah, I'm still, uh, I still think it's dubious how, how much of an effect it would have. But at this point, um, like we said before, uh, throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Right. Just like the gun buyback program. Do we think the gun buyback program is going to take a lot of steel off the streets? No. Do we think the gun buyback program is another opportunity for the police to connect with citizens? Yes. And as Mayor Stoney of Richmond, Virginia said, if I get one gun off the street, then it's a success. And if you're quantifying success by getting one off the street, I would bet they'd get at least one off the street in a gun gun buyback program. It gets back to the silver buckshot strategy. Yeah. These are all multi-pronged strategy for the overall goal of making Charlottesville and Central Virginia safer. Right? Yeah. That's the extent of what it is. There's no silver bullet. Ginny yeah. who? Ginny who? I love when you watch the program on Twitter. She says, those were the curfews imposed by parents when I was that age. And I'm in my 40s, so I'm not ancient. Dude, I have no problem. Ginny Hu, thank you for the comment. I have no problem if a 16-year-old or under has to be in their house at 11 p.m. on a school night. Yeah. I have no problem if a 16-year-old or under has a curfew of midnight on Friday and Saturday. That is not being too strict. No. My curfew... I'd, I'd be surpri- I'm surprised that parents are letting their kids out past those times anyway. Seriously. Like... What are you doing? Seriously. No wonder kids are running wild if their parents are just letting them do whatever they want. Cully Baggett just make the comp. Cully Baggett is a developer. He's watching on Facebook. He said this. What are 16-year-old parents doing allowing their 16-year-old children out past 11 anyways? If I was out after 11 on a school night, it was because I slipped out my bedroom window. It's crazy to me that this is even a discussion. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Very well said. Cully, I'm responding to your comment. Very well said. That's very well said. I want to, I'll, I'll evangelize for the curfew here in Charlottesville City. Roll it out. Roll out the curfew for the rest of the year in Charlottesville City. (coughs) Roll it out. It's not going to hurt anyone. It's not going to hurt anyone. And it might just save a few. Comments have said, if you do have the curfew, this has come on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Spotify. One side effect of this curfew is potentially profiling and innocent people will be targeted. Cops stopping people, asking ages to see if they're of age and should be out that late. Possibly. Maybe. Deep Throat says it's giving police the opportunity to stop and frisk young men at night. Who says innocent people will be hassled, but that's the trade-off. That's always the trade-off. Kind of like uh, 
police going into particular neighborhoods because those are the neighborhoods where you're seeing the most crime. I'm sorry, but it's unless you can unless you can police your own neighborhood and stop the Which criminals, clear clear that's not happening. Yeah. Unless you can unless your community can do that work, then it's I believe it's been fairly well proven that uh, that cops patrolling neighborhoods has an effect on crime, on slowing it down or preventing it. I will check that out. Um, love when he watches the program. Jim Hingley, nothing but love for you. He sends us a DM with something to read after the program. We will check that out, Jim. I love when you watch and comment on the show. Jim, I enjoy seeing you around the downtown mall. I enjoy seeing you drive it around town in the Honda. I like you, Jim Hingley. You're a good dude. Thank you for the comment. Thank you for watching the program. Um, Albert Graves, any thing that keeps crime from happening in Charlottesville is a positive. We want to discourage bad behavior. It's either you want the police to do their job or not. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Hmm. I would love, Nora Gaffney says, my understanding is Charlottesville has a curfew for 17-year-olds and under. The date, I, the date I saw was, she's writing some more. The Charlottesville, here's the thing. Roanoke City actually has this curfew and it's law, but it's not enforced. So what Roanoke City is doing with its council is it's engaging the public in Roanoke and saying, we're considering enforcing this law now. We already have it on the books, but we're going to enforce it. How do you feel? And many in Roanoke have responded favorably to enforcing this law to the letter of the law. Matt Daring, king of cycling, king of Fifeville. That's exactly right. I doubt my kids will get stopped if they happen to be out. They aren't typically, but just speaking hypothetically, I could see where their friends would not have such a luxury. So what is that comment? Matt, is that comment, if I'm unpacking that comment, is that comment tied to race? Is that what he's saying there? Help me unpack Matt's comment. Is that tied to race? He says, Matt Daring is responding to Deep Throat's comment. And Matt Daring is saying on Facebook, responding to Deep Throat, Deep Throat is exactly right. I doubt my kids will get stopped if they happen to be out. They aren't typically, but just speaking, hypothetically, I could see where their friends would not have such a luxury. I would imagine that, that is a, that's a comment associated with he's highlighting his children's friends that are children of color and that they would be targeted. Okay, he says 100%. That's exactly what he's alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the crappy part about this. Another crappy part about this, and it's, it sucks. I can't explain it any better than that. It just sucks. The policing districts, two of them, are going after historically black neighborhoods. 10th and Page, Fifefield, Cherry Avenue. Okay? Mm-hmm. Historically black neighborhoods. That's where the crime is happening. That's where police are aggregating their efforts. If they do this curfew thing, undoubtedly, disproportionately, children of color will be stopped, frisked, questioned at a greater clip than children that are white. Well, that will happen, and that sucks. We have a uh, general order in place for the Charlotte's, uh, from the Charlottesville Police Department uh, 
with a uh, with a juvenile. Um, There's a curfew in Charlottesville. Most of yeah. the cur- most of the cities and have curfews. They're just not enforced. Right. Guess who? Guess who's uh, the authorizing signature? Oh, Judah. Is it Brackney? The curfew for Charlottesville City. It's Brackney who authorized it. Yep. What that was during COVID though. I bet you that was to keep COVID from spreading. What date was on that signature? Effective date eleven five nineteen, November fifth, two thousand. Okay, so that was before COVID. COVID didn't hit till March twenty twenty. Purpose. The purpose of this directive is to set forth the guidelines and procedures for officers to follow in handling juveniles who are in need of protection, who are in violation of status offenses, or who have committed delinquent or criminal acts. You've made the show better today. You made the show better today with your perspective. You made the show better today with the maps you showed on screen. And you just made the show better today by saying, by explaining or showing to all of us that Brackney signed that curfew law into play. Can you share that link in the comment section for the viewers and listeners? Uh, it's pretty long. How'd you find that? I just typed in Charlottesville curfew. It's the top, uh, no, not the top link, but actually, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all part of charlottesville.gov. Um, Matt Daring, you got a response from your comment from Deep Throat. Deep Throat says Matt is right. But then the police have to go out of their way to stop people in, the, in an even-handed way, and that means some white parents will have to deal with their kids getting a ticket. If they are really concerned about crime, then have some skin in the game. Fair is fair. Man. Vanessa Parkhill, I'm always a little puzzled by this notion of picking and choosing which laws to enforce. I mean, they, that's a, it's a great comment. They pick and choose which laws to enforce from a speeding standpoint. You can go on Interstate 64. The speed limit might be 65, but if you keep it under 80 miles an hour, you're not going to get a ticket. Right. Once you clip 80, you're reckless, and you're more likely to get popped by the police. We're not going to enforce speeding if you stay under 80. Mm-hmm. We're not going to enforce the curfew if you're not committing any crimes. But she makes a point. I'm puzzled how, the, how we pick and choose which laws we're going to enforce. What do you make of that comment? You want to touch on that? That's a tough one. Uh, there are lots of crazy laws. I mean, there used to be laws, and there are still laws in some places that you can't spit on the street, which makes a lot of sense in, in the middle of a pandemic when you could be passing something along, but makes a lot less sense in the normal everyday and you know, some of the laws are just insane. I mean, you've got laws on the books in, like, Bible Belt cities and towns that just are absurd. We look at them now and we're like, what were they thinking? Like parts of Lynchburg area being a dry county where on Sundays you can't buy booze. Yeah. What were they thinking? You, I, that, was, that was the way it was in, in uh, Savannah when I was down there. You couldn't buy alcohol on Sunday. It's like, why not? Right. <clears throat> We're just going to drive to the county the, next door, the jurisdiction the, right next to it, and buy it, the, the and then bring is, it back into it, the your thing county. Is there, are bars, there are bars open on Sundays. Yeah, but it's for retail purposes. 
I know, but does that yeah. make no, any it makes sense no sense at all? It makes no sense. Nor does it make sense that you could go buy your alcohol Saturday night if you had the foresight to do so and drink all day Sunday. It's, it's just absurd that you can't buy alcohol on Sunday. Here, how about the, the public there, container law? You cannot sit in front of your house or standing on the street in front of your house drinking a beer out of a can or out of a 40-ounce bottle. But if you put that beer, that tall boy, in a paper bag or that 40-ounce bottle in a paper bag, you can stand outside your house and drink beer. As long as we don't see that it's an open container, we're not going to stop you. But as soon as we see it's an open container, we're going to stop you. Yeah. You can drive 80 miles an hour, 79.9 miles an hour on Interstate 64, but as soon as you hit 80, you're speeding. Right. Or if a cop needs, his, uh, needs to meet his quota. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there are so many absurd laws on the books that I think it would take an exorbitant amount of time and money for uh, legislators to go through and decide which ones are nuts and try to get them repealed or taken down or whatever. Well, let's go down that road. And so you just pick which ones are like, okay, look, we're not, we're not going to go after people for this. Well, let's go down that road. The Charlottesville Police Department is one-third understaffed. If a curfew becomes a reality and it's truly enforced by the letter of the law, do we want a department that is one-third empty enforcing a curfew? The department is already saying we cannot police at our fullest extent because we have no, not enough people. Certain crimes fill out a form online because the police ain't going to show up to the scene of the crime to do some policing. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but at the same time, it's not like they're, like they're going to be sending squad cars out to go look for teenagers. I certainly hope not. It would be the kind of thing that if they run across something like that, then they have, uh, you know, they have... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Probable cause? That's not really what I'm looking for. Incentive to stop somebody? They've Leverage? Got the, they've got the ability to do so because now it's, uh, now it's on the books. Or it's already on the books. But uh, either way, I think it's the kind of thing that, you know, it just becomes a part of your, uh, uh, part of your perception, you know? as that becomes a part of something that the cops do, the cops will be going out and it, it'll be something that they may have never thought about before, but now as they drive around, if they see someone, it's a part of their, uh, you know, it's a part of what their job. It's a part of their toolbox. Deep Throat says, a curfew would have sucked for me. I was in college at 16. I said a curfew would have sucked for me too, but it was not because I was in college when I was 16. It's because I was constantly in trouble and sneaking out of the house and never on time for curfew. I was the quintessential troublemaker of uh, my uh, class. My parents would attest. All right. I thought so much, so much constantly in the news here. Yeah. So much to cover constantly in this program. Thought you've done a fina- you've, you're doing fantastic work on this talk show. Thank you. Your perspective is valued. Okay? A lot of folks are asking for you to share that link with Brackney signing the uh, curfew. I uh, see three people asking about that. So if you, if you uh, Google Charlottesville curfew, 
and then scroll down to the first question. It says, others want to know, and the top question is, is there a curfew in Charlottesville? Click on that so it opens up the drop-down, and then click the link. That's the... Uh, I can I can put it in the feed, but it is a very, very long link. We got Bellamy Brown on Friday. If it's a long link, you don't have to put it in the feed. Bellamy Brown on Friday. What are you going to ask BB? Be square. Bellamy Brown, friend of the program, all-around great guy. All right. Fitness there, aficionado. The link is now on your personal uh Brackney signing the curfew link is now on the pers- on the comment section of my personal Facebook page. Although I don't know. Let's see. Facebook.com forward slash Jerry Miller now to see it. Is it uh, in there? Did you publish it? I did, but I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to come across as a full link. Let me see. I'm gonna... All right. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out after the show. We're getting in the weeds here. We're yeah. getting in the weeds. What are you going to ask BB tomorrow on Friday when he comes on the program? B squared, Bellamy Brown, <laughs> fitness aficionado. Community stakeholder, all-around A-plus guy, eligible bachelor, Bellamy Brown. Cool dude. Guy I would love to belly up to a bar with. Always, always dressed to the nines. Definitely. I can continue. I think you're watching here, Bellamy. I, I, I might call him one of the most eligible bachelors in Charlottesville in Central Virginia. Can I say that, B-squared? One of the most eligible bachelors in Charlottesville in Central Virginia? I'll put Judah Wickhauer on that short list, too. You're an eligible bachelor. What are you going to ask B-squared on Friday? The link does work. Um, I've got to think about that. I put it in the... I'm going to ask him this question. What separates your campaign and platform and your goals from your competition? It's a good one. I'm going to ask him this question. How is your experience locally offer the foundation for you to win a spot in Richmond as a delegate. I'm going to ask them this question. What can you do from an economic development standpoint? Because your other competition on this Democratic primary ticket are not focused on economic development. Can you be an economic development um, influencer or focus on this and potentially that's a separation point from your competition. And you're right. That link that you shared did not share in totality. So I might hide that link from my Facebook uh, page. But right click now. it. You're saying if I click it, it'll go? All right, I'm clicking it right now. There Katrina Colson last Friday. Deshaun Cooper will get you on the program as well. Dave Norris, we can get you on the program as well. The most competitive local race is this one, decided in June. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a slow, it's a slow, oh, yeah, there you go, Judah. You shared it. Comment yep. section, my personal page. Love it. Bravo. What do you make of Zuckerberg saying get back to work? Anything you want to add to that? I mean, he's got more money than most of us can even imagine. And uh, What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? It he is so disconnected with the reality of human life on earth. You can quote All him. All he's saying is get back to work. I, I, I don't think we can utilize, and devil's advocate, sake of talk show, respect, respectfully disagreeing with you. He's a billionaire. We get that. 
We understand that he's a different stratosphere of wealth that none of us will ever comprehend. I get that. But that level of wealth can still determine work, oh, I'm not can still it, determine output. I'm not saying it can't. I'm just okay. saying. And his he, statement was based on output. As the CEO of his company, as the founder of his company, the folks are outputting at a greater clip in person at their desk than the ones that are at their house working remotely. That's all he's saying. Mm. I think the man can do that, and I agree with you oh. that his wealth has is oh, he, jaded his perspective, he can do but he can still he, speak about output. He can do anything he wants. I don't know how, how truthful or, uh, or factual it is. Uh, just because Zuckerberg says it doesn't mean it's true. It's not just Zuckerberg who said this. This is the difference right here. This is the fundamental difference between an employer and an employee, what's happening right here. As an employer, I would want in-person as well. I understand you wanting you the opportunity to work remotely. I get it. I didn't say that. I mean, I think if you had that luxury, you would take it. You would basically be like an opportunity to distance myself from Jerry more hours every single week. Get me working from home. You would say that. I've, I've heard both sides of it. And... Uh... Not every not every job is is uh, does well with working from home, and not every job is. Uh, I do. I, I think not every job makes working at the office uh, that much of a difference. And a lot for a lot of people, I think it's uh, for a lot of people. I think the chance to work from home is a way to increase production. You don't have to spend. Half an hour, an hour. Traveling. Traveling. You don't have to worry about uh, your kids being at some, uh, you know, care center or, or whatever. Uh, there are, I think there are... Care there center? Are, daycare? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, I, I just think that there are, uh, there are ups and downs to both of them. That's fair. It's easy to say one is, is better than the other, but uh, there are far too, many, uh, far too many factors involved to make that a blanket statement across, uh, across every... Uh, every space of business, every industry of business. Yeah. I mean, this is also the guy that just fired 23,000 people. <clears throat> so if you're working for this guy, you better listen up. He literally just fired a third of the workforce. Yeah. So if you want to keep working for this company, maybe you do, maybe you don't. The guy straight up saying, here's your path to working for him. Get your ass in the office. He's fired 23,000 people in the last five months. And he took 5,000 uh, additional vacancies that they were seeking people and, and vaporized those jobs. So he basically eliminated 28,000 jobs businesses in five like months. That, businesses like that are nuts anyways, though. I mean, I've heard of people that were getting paid to not do anything for companies like this. They- 100% Jamie Turner. More tech companies taking the Elon approach. Lean and mean. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. Elon Musk bought Twitter, took it private, fired or encouraged 70% of his staff to quit. Fired or encouraged or influenced 70% of his staff to quit. One of the ways he fired, influenced, or encouraged 70% of his staff to quit by saying, you're going to get your butt back into the office and work, and you're going to work long hours. Seven out of ten people didn't want that. Now Twitter's operating on a lean 30% payroll 
30% staff versus where they were six months ago. Has anyone noticed the difference between t- with, with Twitter? Yes, there are people that have. I haven't noticed a difference. I mean, it's Twitter is operating. It's fortunate with, that it still runs, but yes. Twitter is operating with 70% less staff, and you would be hard-pressed to find a difference. But not all that staff was there to keep... Jamie Turner makes the point, in today's high-interest environment, the dollar has to be stretched further because the opportunity to get cheap money because of low rates is gone. And as Zuckerberg said earlier in the week, this is a time for big business to get lean and mean, like Jamie Turner said, and it's no longer the time to run a company lavishly like we did pre-COVID or halfway through COVID. Money was so cheap that these companies were hiring left and right for positions maybe they didn't need, and they were throwing bags of cash at people. That time is gone, especially in tech. And you can directly correlate it to interest rates. Cully Baggett, we'll close on this topic. Listen to this one. Cully, I like when you watch the program. You're very close to getting a nickname on the show because of your quality comments of late. Keep them coming, Cully. Cully Baggett says this. This should not become a race issue. He's talking about the curfews and policing districts. It is not a race issue. This is a crime issue. The curfew is an attempt to reduce crime and keep children out of trouble or even more so keep them safe. The hot spots where the majority of the crimes are happening should most definitely be patrolled heavier, whether it's for curfew infractions or any other infractions. I don't care if you're white, black, yellow, pink, or purple. If the crime is more rampant in a certain neighborhood, then it should have more increased patrols, period. If we are having... Oh, he left another comment and that comment got buried. Darn it, Cully, that was so good. The comments are coming in so fast, they're pushing the other comments down. All right, I got it right here. If we were having this conversation over speeding infractions that were occurring on Interstate 64, then we certainly wouldn't be having concentrated speed traps set on Market Street. That's a great comment. It's a great comment. How much sense would that make? Let's get back to the common sense part of this, and that is 100% that areas of higher crime need more direct governing than ones without. Well said. I agree Mm -hmm. with that. I agree with that. Jamie Turner says some tech companies had remote employees pulling in multiple six figures and working remote for another company without either knowing. <sighs> Cully Baggett, I had, I had one at 15 when I got my learner's permit. I think he's talking curfew. Most kids get a driver's license once they are old enough at 16, and if they don't have that legitimate ID because they are 16, then that means they are in direct violation, I would think. All right, that's the show. We hope you enjoyed it. We did the best we could with what we had. Maria Marshall Barnes, thank you for watching the show. Jabricia Clark, Chris Allen, thank you and welcome to the program. Um, We did the best we could with what we had today. We hope you enjoyed the program. We work hard for you. And the only thing we ask in return is if you hit the like button. You comment on the show and you share the show so someone can figure out about the I Love Seville show. Judah Wickhauer's on fire. You hit a grand slam. I say, I'll, I'll say I hit a single and a double today. You hit a grand slam. You. Anything you want to close with? Uh, yeah, I got <clears throat> I have this picture from I think yesterday uh, that uh, it's another it's another uh, 
depiction of Cotchis uh, making the rounds and engaging with the community, and I appreciate that about him. And here it is. You put it on screen? Yeah. Was this Hardy Drive? No, this was Prospect. This was the one from, uh, uh, from Royal Gurley. Oh, superintendent. Superintendent yeah. of Charlottesville City Schools. Yeah. Um, uh, superintendent Gurley put on his Twitter account, Cotchis interacting at, uh, at the walking bus. Was this the walking bus stop? Uh, it says, we are appreciative of our new police chief for joining us at our bus stop visit this morning. There you go. All right, I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, police Chief Cotchis, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Assistant Police Chief Tito Jarrett, you're doing a great job. Police Chief Sean Reeves, you're doing a great job. Tim Longo, you're doing a great job. Thank you for collaborating with each other. Thank you for keeping the community safe. I will always champion you guys. I do not have a job where I leave my house in the morning or at night and my life is at risk. All I have to do is talk in front of this microphone. You guys have to carry weapons on your body to potentially keep yourself safe. I understand the significance of your work and how your life is at risk often. And I applaud you and thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you. Thank you. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller. It's the I Love Seville show on a Wednesday. We are not on air for the I Love Seville show tomorrow. We are back in the saddle on Friday. No show tomorrow. Bellamy Brown on Friday at 1230. So long.